Hello and welcome, you are listening to the 10 for 2 podcast with me, your host, George Hutton. Welcome back to the 10 for 2 podcast. Today's guest on episode 5 is Robin Hommel-Tenenbaum someone that I've been very close with for the last five or six years now, maybe four or five years. Um, and also working very closely with at camp. You will, if you don't know her from camp, you will know her from all her amazing kindering videos, putting kindering back on the map one video at a time. So welcome Robin. Hey George, this is so, what an intro. <laughs> you that, that was, up. It can only go down from here now. That wasn't even written down. That was all off the top of the head. That was, um, <laughs> That was lucky. <laughs> Got through it. I, I'm so I you know, I, I'm very flattered that you asked me to do this. This is yet another amazing uh chapter in your production um credits here of, of what you're doing. Um <laughs> I but I, I can you if, if you want to tell everyone I had one concern about if this bombs, we agreed we're gonna scrap this episode, right? It's gonna be buried in the backyard, yeah, never never to be seen again. I don't Maybe. want the podcast to come to, you know, its knees because of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing so well. Why ruin it? Just delete it all now. It's exactly. done. Yeah, it's it's going to be fabulous. You've got some, some lovely stories, I'm sure, from a few years at camp. Quite a few years at camp. Um, <laughs> and so we'll, we'll start off with your your very first summer back in, in the day, 19... 19- 83 I'm not sure how much you can remember of of your first summer um so you started off as a as a soft girl is that right yeah I started uh my parents had a family friend who said they sent their daughters to kindering and told us our family about it so my parents sent me I was uh probably turning nine I think I was nine years old and um I was in bunk four I knew one other person just had met her like once before um, through this family friend. And, um, yeah, I was, uh, just didn't know what to expect. I had gone to day camp, so it was a big eye opener and I pretty much took to it right away. I loved it. You know, it was, I never got homesick from the moment I started till, you know, the moment, you know, I was not a camper anymore because it was just such an incredible, you know, getaway and, and, you know, just this, um, this wonderful community that you felt safe and you could just be yourself as everyone, you know, has described. And, um, you know, I made friends right away that till this day, they're my best, best friends. Um, were your, were your family camp people? Had they, had your parents like been to camp when they were younger or anything like that? Or was it kind of the first trip in your, in your family experience? Yeah, it was. I was the first one. They never went to camp. I think my mom grew up in the Catskills, though. Her family ran a hotel, so she's had sort of that dirty dancing Kellerman's, you know, experience. Um, and I think my dad, you know, his camp was a stoop, you know, in the Bronx, so um, it was foreign to them. But the interesting thing is they loved it. Like, just they had such a good feeling, I think. That's probably why they sent me when they visited um so yeah they were super supportive and you know I consider it till this day the greatest gift that they ever gave me to send me to camp yeah for sure I think if 
I, I always wish I could have grown up in America and gone to, to summer camp or been shipped over to America for summer camp because it's we don't really have the same things here. We have soccer camps that last for, you know, a bit like day camps, like nine to five during the school holidays, but right. they're not as, as crazy as camp, which I think is why it's it's so amazing for the internationals to go there and, and experience it. Um, I think obviously the, the camp has come out of it a lot more mature and grown up. And then by the time you get to university or college, you're happy to go away from your parents. Whereas the UK, it's a bit more, people go for the first time when they're 18 to university and still don't know how to cook or look after themselves or anything like that. So, Well, I'm always amazed when I go up, you know, for the international orientation for the staff and I try to think about what's going, you know, people come from all over the world and I'm trying to picture like if you were plopped in the middle of this camp in this environment, had never experienced camp before, what must be going through your mind? Because it's such a strange, you know, um, cultural, different experience. And then, but I'm always amazed within days, everyone is like, they, they too have been there forever and had camp had always been a part of their life. It's the most unbelievable thing, don't you think? Yeah, I, I hated it. My first 48 hours, mm-hmm. I remember I turned up late. So everyone was, had all the internationals had already kind of become friends. The evening I turned up, they'd all gone out for dinner and... So I like came to like this empty wooden bunk and it was like evening time. So just went straight to sleep. And I remember sitting there like, what, what am I doing here? I'm an idiot. I'm going to phone my mum. I'm going to go back home and, and work in a supermarket or something like that. And three days later, I was already on a day off. I think the kids came within a day of me being there. Um, a few days later, I was on a day off on the rooftop of a hotel in New York City overlooking Times Square with, 20 people that I couldn't remember their names, but I already knew they were like my, my best friends. It's, it's crazy, crazy yeah. thinking back to imagine if I, within 44 hours, had phoned my mum and come home. Wouldn't be the yeah. person I am today. So, um, so you say you, you, you met some of your, your best friends from that, that day one, that first, yeah. first day in the, in the bunk. And I think by, the, the noise that I hear on, on visiting day when, when Eric comes up to camp, I can probably guess who one of, one of them are. You know, the interesting thing about that, because now my, the, my childhood camp friends, a lot of them are sending their uh, children to kindering. And when, but when we see each other on visiting day, we revert to our 10 year old selves. It's the craziest thing. You know, it just, we're cheering, we're, you know, doing handshakes, we're, we're just, you, you get transported in time. Like those memories are very much still, you know, alive and at the surface and live within you. And it's, it's so, it's incredible. It doesn't seem to matter how long you aren't with someone or you don't see them as soon as you're, you're back with them. It's just like being back at camp and you carry on as, as you were, which is, is amazing. It is. Um, And then how, how were you, do you remember much of your your first few summers? Obviously, being quite quite young, was there any any kind of stories or anything that stands out from those those first few summers at camp for you? Um, you know, I think my first two summers, I was you know kind of blending in with the crowd a bit. You know, nothing. I was a little shy. I think um, I don't think I really came out of my shell until my third summer. They at that time, I think I was a junior 
for two years, uh, two consecutive summers. And uh, it was the summer of 85, and I was a junior girl. And we had Gail Slamowitz was our group leader. And my counselor was Bonnie Kirschenbaum, who till this day remains one of my beloved counselors. She'll always be my counselor. And that's Eileen Joachim's sister, for those who Mm -hmm. don't know. And she just was like this older sister to me. She was very much caring and nurturing, but fun and just brought things out. You know, I think there's qualities in you as a kid that are sort of at the surface, but you know, it just takes one person or one interaction. This is the great thing about camp to really tap into that and and make someone feel comfortable. And um, I just kind of, you know, came out of my shell and was able to just be silly and goofy and not feel self-conscious or, you know, um, and I just, it was a transformative summer. It really was. I, I, you know, I think my friendships were certainly solidified even that early on. And I started, you know, the parts of me that when you look back at sort of those pivotal moments and it all comes together, it kind of makes sense where you go in life. And I think even that summer was a big part of it, of just feeling comfortable to be on stage or to do skits or, you know, whatever it was, whatever crazy things I got involved with, it, it started there. And, and that was a lot because of the people that were around me, the, the counselors, the group leaders, really um, just great role models. Do you, do you think there was something, what kind of was the link with between you and Bonnie that, that made you so close with it? Were you both the same kind of personalities? You were both a little bit more shy or what first kind of made it click for you, do you think? I think she just, in all of us, found something that, you know, raised our confidence. You know, like I, she gave me a nickname. She called me Robbie Hobby, which <laughs> stuck for years after, you know, and I don't know, it was something as small as that, like, you know, that just, it becomes a thing and you're kind of, you know, you you feel like your, your personality is starting to develop and you're having the confidence to just, you know, be who you're meant to be. So I think she just saw something in each of us and made us all feel like we're individuals and, you know, and could just be ourselves. It was very liberating. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's Seems to work both ways as well with with me, obviously not being a camper, but yeah, I feel like with my years, I've learned so much just from hanging out with campers and, right. and being around the campers. They kind of teach you more about yourself and about life than than the adults and the grown ups do. So that is so yeah. true. Yeah, I, I feel like she she maybe might think think the same about you guys. Do you still keep in touch with her much? We do. We um, I remember as we got older. Um, we all, cause she was a, a counselor for quite a while. Um, we used to like call her in her dorm room at college, wake her up, you know, we'd have camp sleepovers during the year and call all our counselors. You know, this was before FaceTime, thank God. But, um, you know, we just idolized them. I, um, and I still keep in touch with her and we're still, I would say it's a really special relationship. We, uh, you know, we, we talk, she's come to visit me at work. We have lunch in the city and same with some of my other counselors, Louise Braverman, who's like a big, uh, publicity giant for, for book publishing and Mindy Blitzer. So these are like, we're all really like keep in touch with all these great women who unfortunately got tasked with watching us during the summers. (laughs) We were a wild bunch. Trying to control you. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, Farrah Far- Far- did touch a, a little bit on how her and her her siblings were a few few troublemakers um, <laughs> at camp. With with being so close with Erica, were you, did you manage to stay away from that, or were you drawn in with the bad kids? No, I mean honestly, when I say bad, we were just uh, like Erica is uh, such a big personality, much like Farrah, and. Um, she had such a good also she rubbed off on me in a good way you know we were we would write skits and perform and there there used to be um where brian perzak's athletic shed is now it used to be called the camp mother's hut i don't know if you heard of that i don't know what the origin was i guess we had camp mothers who would you know look after the kids um do the lice checks and all that but for some reason they had random clothes in there like a wardrobe closet and it was stuff that, like, it looked like from the Borschfeld era. It was vintage checkered blazers or, like, you know, house dresses. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where the clothes came from, honestly. I don't even know if they were ever washed. But I do know that I would go in there every day and borrow stuff for the evening activity. We'd come up with crazy skits or, you know, um, and just a lot of laughter. It was just, like, a great time to be a kid. Um, and and Erica till this day, as I said, she's, she was my maid of honor at my wedding. She's one of my best friends and, you know, no one knows you better than your camp friends. And that's the truth. So it's, it's a really special thing. For sure. Sounds, sounds like a little goodwill store in the middle of, in the middle yeah. of camp. <laughs> you your random clothes. Oh, and then the, sorry, the other part of that camp mother's hut was WCKR, which yeah. was camp radio station. So during free play, that was like a hotbed of activity because people would go and you'd make requests. And if you had a crush on a boy, you know, you'd um, get to be on the mic. Like Bobby Grossman, he used to run WCKR and um, he was a precursor to you, George. He, you would like go in there and, and like request, um, you know, the search is over or um, anything by air supply and dedicated to, you know, a kid you liked. Um, so that was, it was really, that was just uh, a really funny thing. I think you should bring that back, actually. Do you think? I, I always, every time I hear people talk about it, I think it would be so cool. Like, it I, would I, be I, fun. I always think radio host would be great. It's such a an easy gig, just sitting there talking and playing some some music. Totally. I always think when we talk about that, I always think of Have you watched the uh, Wet Hot American Summer, the movie? Yeah. I always think of the the kid that's in in charge of that radio is just like not showered all, all camp just sitting in there all day having a great time did you when you were like thinking about camp did you have like from an idea of what camp was like from the movies you know like so I hadn't really watched many camp movies until being at camp kind of thing like wet hot American summer wasn't anything I'd ever heard of I think um parent trap was was a movie that we grew up watching so that was kind of my only basic knowledge of of what camp was and I think it still does feel like that like the bunks look the same as, as, <laughs> as they did then um but yeah my my first time I had no literally no idea or thought about what it was going to be I got hired like three days before I was meant to be at camp so I hadn't even looked at the website hadn't even spoken to anyone from camp and just kind of rocked up and and went with the flow which I think was probably better than knowing where I was going for nine months and stressing about it and Googling everyone and stuff like that. So it was quite nice just not having any perspective or kind of 
thought of what it was going to be like kind of went in with a blank page and right. left with a full book <laughs> that's right keeping it on, on a t-shirt um, and then so that summer uh the junior summer with with bonnie and a few other great counselors you say you, you kind of really start coming out your shell and start performing in the in the skits and and things like that how how was that going from a more shy kid at the at the back of the group to then being up in front of the whole camp wearing a silly wig and singing and dancing you know i i think it's it's some weird thing you block you wind you learn to block out the audience in a way um but you're feeding off the energy and it's it's kind of a thrill it's like a high you know um and that's how I feel like even just about my work today, whether it's doing the camp videos or working at a show, you know, just having that feedback and seeing things, you know, the creative that you put in and seeing it come out, however it comes out and to be received in a way it kind of fuels you, you know, you're always chasing that high. I think, you know, that that's what it was like. I, you know, I went for cheap laughs and <laughs> back then and still do. <laughs> I, I don't know what an expensive laugh is, to be honest. That's all I've got is cheap laugh. Um, do you think it kind of set you up for the, the career path you ended up on? Was that something that you always thought from that point you'd you'd want to go into, kind of the, the show business side of things? I think so. I mean, I'm actually, believe it or not, I mean, I this is like right now it's hard because I'm, I like being in your seat of interviewing people. I don't, I really don't, want to be like, you know, the center of attention. I don't, I like being behind the scenes a hundred percent, but I think it definitely was a pivotal part of me choosing the path I did professionally in terms of creating. Um, so, and storytelling. Um, and I'm also interested, I'm curious about people. So I think camp is a great place because you really learn people's backstories. You know, I remember, being a camper and at night, you know, we'd have that time, um, we'd sit on each other's beds and you'd hear about people's backstories of what they went through during the year because Farrah talked about this. You didn't have FaceTime and you didn't have social media. So, you know, the few times a year when you got together, that was like a really big deal. But, you know, you got to catch up with people, a year's worth of material. And you learn about, you know, kind of what everyone went through or where they're at. And that was really comforting, I think, and really interesting to me. I was always, you know, interested in hearing about, you know, people's journeys. So I think, yeah, all that definitely kind of set me up for where I was going. I still don't know what I'm, I'm meant to do with my life or what, what job I'm going to be in. But, you know, certain things from camp make me know what I like doing and hobbies that I like doing. I randomly started making videos of some of the things at camp and then now that's like quite a big passion of mine making videos and stuff like that so it's it definitely kind of helps mold you a little bit even when you were nine and I was 20. But you know honestly I have to say because people um you know say oh I enjoy watching the videos they need to know like you're such a huge part of we we formed this we call it our little you know crackpot team of uh producers, shooters, <laughs> um, the, the stunning footage that you have captured from both the drones and your own DSLR camera that really tell a story of this beautiful, magical place and just those up close moments. And I mean, you're like, camp is so lucky to have you. I mean it because it's, you're, 
you're a huge part of just visually telling like what goes on, you know, behind the, behind the gates. And it's your, I mean, my God, I wish, I always say, I wish you lived here that we could work together during the year. Cause you're so talented. One day, maybe. Yeah. I hope. Coming soon. Um, yeah, I think it's more the, I think I could just walk around with a GoPro on my head and it would still be such great footage <laughs> because of the, the people and yeah. the activity and everything going on at camp. So, yeah. And I'm not very good at taking compliments. So, I'll move on. Um, so, how was it you say your, obviously, your parents had, hadn't been to camp themselves and threw you into this camp that someone had recommended to you? How was it when they were coming up on visiting day and to, to drop you off? Did they like what they see? Did they enjoy coming up and, and visiting? Well, you know, anyone who knows me or grew up with me knows uh, my parents are wonderful people. They they do have one um, one major flaw, and that's they're late. They're notoriously <laughs> late to everything. Um, they would be late every year to visiting day, which then I think was shorter. I, I think it was shorter than it, w- it is now. So they would literally be an hour and a half, two hours late. Um which left me with um, the international staff hanging out, (laughs) spending, you know, picnicking on the tables. You know, I think till this day, I have such an affinity for the international staff. They've always been family, literally, more so than my own sometimes. But they, uh, yeah, so they'd be late for every visiting day. But when they finally did get there, I can tell you that it was so interesting to see their, their reaction to, camp it, it was like the same kind of feeling that I have you know you would see it in their eyes would light up and they would just have big smiles on their faces um, because they could feel that there's such a love there it, it's indescribable and that how happy I was I mean I always say and I'm sure everyone else you talk to says you're you're your best self at camp and you're happiest because you don't really there's no stress there it's all wonderment and it's beauty and it's it feels like a giant hug all the time and they just they got that and and I love that until this day when now they visit my kids I see that same look in their eye and the same smile on their face and my dad once commented he said you know if you were outside with these people and you saw five people in a row walking hand in hand you'd think they're Michigana they're crazy like <sighs> Here, he says, it makes total sense. Yeah, it's it's so true. It is a different world. I'm so used to at camp walking around just like saying hi to people, high-fiving people you walk past, even if you don't really know them. And Right. And then in the real world, you'd, you'd probably get beaten up if you tried to do that on the on the trains right. or something. In, in cross, walking hand in hand. And, you know, it look nuts, but everything makes sense at camp, you know. Yeah, I, I've always tried to describe it to my family because, like I say, it's not really a, a thing in England. And uh, yeah. my dad, dad and stepmom came to visit one one year for, for a day. I can't remember what year, 2015, 2016, yeah. something like that. And I could see the same. They kind of suddenly realised and got what it was. <laughs> they weren't just me playing soccer in the sun in America. It was all these amazing people and the the amazing characters like they had heard stories of Jeff Rothman, the, the crazy guy with the cowboy hat. And then they're, they're finally meeting him and hanging out with him and, yeah. and stuff. Like that. So it was amazing just having them up there for a couple of days and showing them everything. They kind of got a lot more of a, of a taste for it, which was, 
was amazing. So great. And how how was it your first kind of growing up from nine to to sixteen, growing up on on girl side at camp with all those amazing people around you? Um, it, you know, it was a like I said, it was a really fun and um, carefree and a safe way time. I mean, we had obviously my experience on girl side. We had you know, these amazing women at the helm, Bev Gilbert, who ran Girlside for many years, and Gail Stone, Josh's mom, um, and Vicki Winman, Semoff Winman, who ran, like, at the uh, special events. And, you know, I just remember there was just this real can-do spirit among Girlside. Um, and I think that, too, left a big impression. You know, it was, like, really a lot of positive strong inspirational women that we all looked up to and um that was really great it was definitely a sisterhood for sure I appreciated that um and there was a lot of you know a lot of fun it was um you know I think those those years were marked by like mixed tapes you know you'd make at the end of the year we were just talking about this with friends um from our boom boxes you know um, or write letters and, you know, it was just, it was a special moment in time. I'm, I'm glad that I had that, you know, I can't imagine my life without it. Cause I feel like where we are today, not to get off subject, but, you know, you rely on those people, you know, just to have those moments of gratefulness and, or gratitude, I should say, and um, and lean on people when times are tough. So I'm very grateful. Yeah, I think even now you get get to camp. It's nice to remember that you don't need to be on your phone and scrolling through Instagram all the time, and yeah, to not see the news for nine weeks and come back <laughs> and realize the world's still alive. It's right. It's um, it's nice. It must have been even nicer back with them when there's even less technology and, and less going on, and you really living in that bubble yeah for sure um so from your from your years at camp was there a particular summer as a camper that that sticks out as your your favorite summer Ooh, um I don't think I had I mean probably like I said 85 was one of my favorites I remember I was camper captain that year so that was exciting That's big deal honor for camp um but honestly each summer like I I have you know different memories um you know concerts super summer and and work group summer um and teen summer too was obviously a lot of fun I know Farrah went into the building tents which was never yeah. my thing but um yeah no it was I don't think I had one standout summer they were all like I literally counted down and couldn't wait and I just always remember that first day of camp like running literally like r jumping out of my parents car and running up to people and hugging them I was you can't explain that elation and that excitement and it just always felt so good you know yeah it's great great to see now you when you're there waiting for all the kids to turn up on on opening day and stuff oh, I get so choked up when I, you know, I film opening day and then the last day and it brings you right back. It's the same feelings. I see little kids, sophomore girls hugging, 
clutching their friends or junior girls, you know, like seeing them for the first time, even though they probably saw them during the year a lot more than we did. But it's so touching, you know, and then that last day and they're crying and they're, you know, your heart breaks. Like I, a lot of times I almost have to walk away. I'm like, I I don't want them to see me cry because it's, it's so emotional. You know, no one understands unless you've been through camp. I think there's two, I always say there's two types of people in this world, camp people and non-camp people, you know? Yeah. It's, it's horrible that the last day, the last night. And then when the parents come to, to pick them up, I've, I always, Ben Wolf's mum, she always, always gets me going. She gives me like the biggest hug you've ever had, like yeah. rib breaking hug and oh. says in my ear how amazing like her son's summer been and, and everything like that. And I'm like, yep, okay, get off. I'm going to go behind the bunk. Maybe like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. It's, it's raining. It's raining. It's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy even how amazing it is for the parents who aren't even at camp just how happy they are that their kids have had a yeah. an amazing and, and the emotion just just from them picking them up and seeing how happy their kids are and stuff that that final day is right ridiculous yeah it is um and then how was the transition to to work group summer the, the first um, most real staff summer I, well I would if you asked what was my best summer if I had to pinpoint my uh my um, least favorite summer, I would say, would be work group, which is now called SITS. Um, I got recruited into um, some half-baked plan on the night of Sing. <laughs> I'll leave out the names and the details, but the, the basic gist was at that time you could have visitors up on Sing. Anybody could come up, I guess. And uh, one of my friends uh said you know after sing let's um some of the the boys that were there like they want to hang out by girl side because there were so many visitors like so many guests on grounds it was you know whatever a lot of people and so I was like okay went along with it not thinking this through and to make a long story short we got and it was like nothing bad happened and nothing illicit went on, but it was just being caught with, we were aiding and abetting boys onto girl side, just want, you know, going for a walk. And they had like a driving security guy. I think his name was Otto at that time. It was like a, an old Oldsmobile or Chevy was, and, and we were literally like deers in headlights, got caught, like, you know, and all I remember is it was, at this point, taps had already happened. So it was lights out on camp. You know, usually the off the kindering office is closed by then. And the next thing you know is on the PA system, Robin Hommel, um, so-and-so, please report to the kindering office now. And we were like, oh, my God. You, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> Your stomach goes horrible. I'm like, that's it. Like, I, I'm done. So uh, we were, you know, we, we were rightfully so served with the highest penalty under KR, you know, laws and regulations of, you know, um, doing OD the rest of the summer every night, um, you know, all privileges revoked. And, you know, we served our time, we showed that. And I think like, honestly, like it wasn't 
that we should have been, you know, like, thankfully it wasn't serious or we didn't do anything crazy, but you know, it was a stupid, you're 16 and a lapse of judgment. You know, we didn't follow the rules and, you know, we, we served our time, but you know, I think the director and, and Bev, they knew that we were good kids, like how much we love camp. And this was like a really dumb thing that we did. And thankfully we got asked back the next summer to be counselors, but that was like, I look back, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, it was so dumb, you know? And I don't know, sometimes you need that, but I think like, you know, as long as you're really not doing anything terrible, you know, people make mistakes and we, we learned, we, we learned from it. And, um, I just told my parents that story recently and they were like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> like, I feel like I brought shame on my family. I was like, why did I tell them that? <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's a place that you can kind of go a bit further and do more silly things than if you're at school or anything like that, you, yeah. You have to be a bit more kind of or everything's a bit more strict at school whereas camp you can be a bit silly and yeah you can be doing an activity and it ends in a water fight and that's that's right. fine and that's a fine. few more pranks and stuff like that so we just push the envelope a little too far and you know and you have to under kids have to understand there's rules in place for you know a reason um but you know i think that scared straight episode really i was on the up and up after that so <laughs> It was a good thing, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure it's a. Obviously, if you're still thinking about it and telling your parents about it now, it's taking you what a few years to to break it to your parents. Work through that episode, George. But I think I'm almost there. I'm I'm pretty good now. <laughs> More years of counselling, and you you'll be out. <laughs> um, how and much then, so, is our counselling session? Are we? How are we? Yeah, just hundred dollars a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure what the going rate is, but I'll, I'll aim high. <laughs> um, you you mentioned you 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 managed to get invited back for a a counsellor role for 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 a couple of years. Do you remember what what age groups you were a counsellor for? Yeah, I had to think about that. My memory is not great, but um, I was a intergirl counsellor, then a senior girl counsellor, then a super girl counsellor. So my last summer, which was '93, Mark Rausch was actually the boys side. Uh, group leader for our division um and the girls group leader was one of my good friends till this day Wendy Hare who was the group leader so we went to I remember we went to Hershey that summer it was fun it was a lot of fun and and now those campers are you know they're coming back to camp with their kids some of them are coming to work so it's really cool how did you find the transition from from camper to to them being in charge you know, I mean, I think our first year we were like, I can't believe they put us in charge of kids. <laughs> but we were, you know, it was a lot of my friends from camp, you know, still became counselors. Um, that first summer, I remember Rachie Hyman was our group leader and um, Jessica Rich. We were all in the same division as counselors. Jessica and I also grew up together in the same division, but it was a really, it was fun. It was like a continuation we were a little, a little more mature, um, but we had, you know, the same kind of spirit and silliness. I think we, in a good way, you know, gave our kids that opportunity to, we, I think you model it, you know, again, in a safe, but open, productive type of environment. Um, just, I guess that's where, you know, 
you carry on what was modeled for you when you were a kid and we continued that. So it was, I, it was great. I loved it. Did you have any, any counselors in mind that you kind of took inspiration from of how they raised you at camp to, to kind of what you used on your campus? I think, you know, it's like the, I think it was a combination of a lot of my counselors, you know, um, like one of our counselors, Mindy Blitzer was an incredible athlete. And, you know, you certainly wanted to show girls that there's strength in sports and, you know, to be confident and learn skills. And, and that was a wonderful attribute that, you know, she showed me. And um, even just, I remember Louise Braverman, one of my counselors taught us backgammon back in the day. So, you know, bringing up my backgammon set and teaching the girls backgammon. And so it goes, you know, some of those smaller traditions. Um, so I would say it was really a combo of all those great ladies who were my counselors. Beautiful. And then, so then after 93, you had to go, go into the real world. Yeah. So you went, was that, were you going back as a counselor whilst you were still at at college or did you, you finish and go to college? I did my freshman year. Um, I was at camp and then, um, summer of 93 was my last summer. So I think it was sophomore year. I had to stop going to camp because by that point I knew that I needed to, I was majoring in journalism and I knew that I needed to start getting, you know, internship experience. So, um, you know, that was hard, you know, when you're, you have to make those decisions and, you know, follow your career paths. If you're not going into education or something that allowed you to go back to camp. How did you find that first summer not going back? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. You're like bummed and thinking about if, you know, what if I were still there and I had friends who were still there. So I got to live vicariously through them. Um, so, but you know, and then you're on to, you know, you know, immersing yourself into your profession. So there was a 20, I don't know, five year gap, something like that until I returned to camp. Made the return. <laughs> um, but you, you still had a bit of, of camp with you, right? You moved in with a few kindering people after, after college. I right? did. I mean, you know, those you hear from everybody, you know, the ties, even though you're not a camp, but you're strong friendships continue on and I moved in with two girls Wendy Hare and Hillary Black who had gone to camp they were a couple years older than me but um yeah so that was really nice to have that those bonds and then you know kept in touch with all my friends from childhood my camp friends and I went to the kindering 80th reunion I remember going to that um so it was nice to always have camp with you and then you run into people all the time especially if you're in New York City, you know, it's so random when you bump into people. Like years later, I bumped into Louise, who I mentioned, Louise Braverman, at a book convention at the Jacob Javits Center. And when I saw her, because she never ages or changes, um, I was like, Wheezy, you know, like, I mean, she's with her colleagues I can't imagine how that whole scene looked but just wrap my arms around her you know like it was wheezy it wasn't Louise Braverman who runs a big you know has a big job but uh so it's funny you know you just again you revert back to your 12 year old self in a way 
I remember my my first summer the after leaving and it's a bit harder to know as an international if you are going to come back the next year or stuff like that so all the sad goodbyes and then a little bit of traveling with everyone and then more sad goodbyes um and then I was with my dad in San Francisco and we went to um there's a little cafe called the warming hut just next to the golden gate bridge and dad and 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 helen his wife were saying that they do the best brownies ever so we're there in the line waiting for the brownies Mm -hmm. so i shouted george and i turned around and it was um tal yeager who uh was a group leader from israel um my first summer Mm -hmm. and she was there with her parents as well so we had like an awkward what are you doing here uh, and then my family and her family, we we kind of sat down and had a brownie together, which was <laughs> crazy. But yeah, the the places you bump into people from camp, it's yeah ridiculous. It is. Um, and so then obviously with a bit of time away, you got married, had had kids, all all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was it always in the back of your head to to come back to to camp and and send your send your kids to kindery? I mean, for sure, I think when I became a parent, you know, you think about what you hope for your kids. And that was always in the back of my mind that they'd get to, you know, experience what I got to experience. Um, And then I hadn't really thought about it like as a reality until one summer, it was um, 2015. And I was, my boys, Carter was uh, seven and Griffin was five. And you know, kindering had in some of those gap years gone through some rough times, different directors and, you know, enrollment was down from what it was from when I was at camp. And I was thinking about camp, like, and I was in touch with Farah because of, you know, Erica and they're such a big part of my life, that family. And she had already gone back to camp. And I said to her, I knew Mark, obviously, from when I was a kid. And he had already been a director, I think, for a couple of years by that point. And I said, how are things going there? Like, you know, is it better? Because I had, you know, heard some things over the years that had fallen on some tough times. And she said, no, it's on the up and up. And Mark's doing such an amazing job. And and uh, there was like this commuter program. So if you had kids under five and under, you could, you know, work at camp and your kid could be integrated with the division and then sleep in your bungalow at night. So I got in touch with Mark and I was like, oh, that could be a real option because I was working at a different show and I was off all summer. We were on hiatus. I'm like, this could be the perfect foray back into camp. If I could get a job, that would be really super. I don't know what I could do, but I'd, I'd love to be there. And for my kids, most importantly, to experience all that kindering is and has to offer. So I get in touch with Mark and... Um, it was like later in the year, I think. I think it was like February or March. So he pretty much had hired everybody. And he said, you know, we'd love to have you back. You know, there's only like two spots available. And uh, he said, there's a job in the infirmary or arts and crafts. <laughs> um, so I had like a... Um, you know, mixed feelings about the infirmary because um, when I was a kid... I had a very vivid memory of, um, I probably had a fever, a headache, and I go to the infirmary, and there was a nurse there who was, you know, a veteran nurse, terrific caregiver, but she was a little tough. She wasn't Elisa in terms of warm and fuzzy. She was just like, she was loving, but a little tough exterior. And um, she said, you need to swallow these two Tylenol. And I said, oh, I don't swallow pills. 
and before I could say much more than that, the pills were in the mouth, the, the, she, she clamped my mouth down. And I, you know, till this day, I could remember that gagging feeling Ooh. of just not being able to, that I have like, this is why I'm in, you know, talking to you as my therapist. I can't swallow pills till this day, George. Pills coming out your nose in the middle of the infirmary. <laughs> I still have to dissolve them in applesauce, hand to God. So I thought the infirmary would not be the place for me to, <laughs> to thrive in any capacity. So I said, arts and crafts could be great. You know, I always loved arts and crafts as a kid. Um, and he set me up with uh, Sandra Posner, who was running arts and crafts, to interview with her. And um, it was like, I still call it one of the toughest job interviews I've had because I was re-emerging into a camp world and... I figured, you know, how hard, you know, I'll, it was just for a general crafts position. And I thought I could just, you know, find my way. And, and so, you know, Sandra was like, you know, what's your experience with, you know, painting and, and macrame and, you know, beading. And I'm like, yeah, I've done it. And, you know, sure. Um, I was sweating like in a flop sweat during that interview thinking, oh my God, I just like failed this job interview. I, I don't know that I'm, you know, it's been 25 years. I mean, I haven't done um, any sort of, you know, stitching or anything in so long. Do you know that I went on YouTube and I started teaching myself like parachute cord and <laughs> I started watching YouTube videos because I, I was not going to let her down. And uh, I did take the job and it turned out by the way, to be that was probably one of my favorite summers so far as an adult staff, because I loved working in arts and crafts. It was actually, you know, besides the program that, you know, Sandra set up, it, you know, you get to see kids take ownership and feel confident even in, in this creative outlet. And it's so relaxing. I can't even explain it. You're focused on one particular task and, you know, it's, and kids are so proud of themselves with these great projects that, you know, they, they turn out. Um, so it was, it was the best job decision I ever made. Let me say that. Uh, it's always and, one way, Sandra went from being my boss to also one of my best friends. So it, it was really like, that was just the icing on the cake. Maybe she was secretly interviewing you for both roles. You know, the craft and best friend. Um, and it's always one of my favorite activities, which I never would have thought it would be before because in my family I've always been the sporty one and my sister's like the art, arty one yeah and I like my handwriting's always been awful I can't draw can't do anything so I was the first few times I went to arts and crafts I was like oh don't really want to go to this yeah whereas now I'm like let's go it's air conditioned it's chilled it's lovely we can just sit there you kind of just switch off and beading not really attention and and then yeah I end up, end up at the end of summer with five tie-dye t-shirts and an arm full of full of bracelets because I've spent so much time in arts and crafts it's great totally. and you know what I say like it's the the one of the greatest places on cam I still I made you do like elaborate projects we we made uh wind chimes that are hanging in my backyard it's the pride and joy of my backyard honestly <laughs> god like I look at it and it's a visual cue of like it transports me back to camp and I'm like so happy and proud you know like look what I made and I'm an adult I'm a grown woman and <laughs> wind chimes not any of these amazing episodes or interviews on, on the tv it's the wind chime in the back garden totally 
Um, and how was it that first summer kind of seeing the the kids back in at, at camp and experiencing what, what you grew up experiencing? It was amazing. I, you know, to see my boys were so young, but and Griffin was five and he loved it so much at five that at night when I'd pick him up at the kindering office after he spent the day, he'd cry. He didn't want to, he wanted to stay in the bunks. Like he, he was very much like me, wanted nothing to do with his parents and just wanted to go off and be with his friends. And I took that as like, it was such a, not only a relief, but your, your heart is happy. You're like, Oh my God, if he feels this way now, like this is the greatest feeling in the world and and Carter too you know loved it loved camp um and to see them you know I could still picture you know being at sing and see, seeing them sitting in the bleachers and singing the kindering alma mater you you just you well up you can't believe it it's they're going through those same you know activities and traditions and have the same feelings it's, it's indescribable I think I until we spoke a little bit just before this and you said it was like the first day of camp Griffin broke his arm I thought I'd remember remember his first summer and seeing him with it with his broken arm I presumed he must have turned up with it I didn't realize it was the first day but yeah I don't think he ever even us every summer since but he's always been smiling and happy even with this big horrible arm cast that must be hot and sweaty and leaving a horrible tan line yeah he was still so happy. And, and Carter as well. I've never seen yeah. either of them. I, I do also see them being their best versions of themselves. Happy, joyful, you know, with their friends. And I say to them all the time, not just before we go to camp, but during the year, I said, you know, these people that these friends you're going to have for the rest of your life, it's probably lost on you right now. But when I'd say that they'll be there for you in moments where you, you need them the most, that is the truth. And that is like probably the greatest thing. You know, I, I said like, this is, these ties are, are forever. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like, if I need to talk to someone, mm. I normally have a couple of camp friends that I'll, I'll call and talk to. And I, never really any ever call people or talk to people on the, over the phone because you don't really need to anymore you just text and right. voice and stuff like that but if times are tough I'll I'll call a few of my my camp friends and and talk out on the phone even if they're the other side of the world or you know different sides of the country and I haven't seen them for eight months it's crazy yeah. silly really. it's amazing yeah. you pick um, up right where you left off exactly do you remember what it was like when you first came back to camp that um that kind of first day back in was it 2015 you came back after 20 odd years years away yeah you know one of my biggest memories from that first summer I walk into the dining room and I'm walking towards my table and I see Michael Barron and I just burst into tears um, I could not believe he was still at camp. I'm sorry. I didn't know he was still at camp all these years. He was there when I was a kid. And, um, you know, he was revered back then. You know, he was just an amazing person. And I probably knew he was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, you know, I know, I remember even being in the Warsaw Ghetto Memorial, but, you know, just always loved 
listening to his stories. And I don't know, I just never bothered to even ask anyone or no one mentioned that, but it just hit me that, oh my God, this incredible human being has been a camp. Like time, you know, went on, but he was still there and teaching kids. And it definitely, for me, connected me to, my God, my kids are not only going to benefit from camp, they're going to benefit from knowing Niffle. And I remember Lisa Weintraub came over and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I admit it's Michal, you know, it, it's like being in the, in the presence of greatness and a true idol. And, um, that was really, uh, that was just, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that moment. That was everything really. Yeah. I, I, I presume he was quite recognizable. I look at the pictures <laughs> from, from years ago and he's still got the, the same. same outfits and you know it's the same guy hadn't aged uh, there yeah did did he recognize you when you walked in I, I you know I probably overwhelmed him you know I was like she's probably he was probably like who is this woman who's just sitting here you know weeping and just you know, my just also you know a, a giant hug and uh you know we we reconnected it was it was pretty amazing and and Millie too. I was so happy to see her. Um, it was just so special. Yeah, and over the last few years since then, you spent a lot of time with with both of them, kind of getting to know know them and a bit, a bit more, and and helping get their story out and keeping that kind of important message of about the Holocaust and, and stuff like that and help get, get them onto your, onto your show. Um, which was, I remember crazy for, for us as, as a camp and the camping world and the world as well, to be honest, to, to, to be able to tell those stories, um, being in, in charge of the kindering Instagram, it's the, <laughs> I, I was up all night with the, the time difference. My phone was just ping, ping, ping. And I was resharing so many stories. Um, how, how was that? getting them, you know, kind of hearing their stories firsthand and helping to to share that experience. Well, they had, well, George, you and I had started with Michal's story in 2016, I think just leading into the CARE 90th. And we had gotten some pieces of it um, in a broad, with a broader interview. And then, um, and Millie had told her story to our staff. Um, so that was like really the first time I heard it in its entirety, but um, Mark had asked me last year before camp started about, you know, doing something different for the Warsaw Ghetto and having their stories because it's, you know, they were, if, if they were willing to tell it, if we could share it in some way that um, connects to the message of obviously what we're teaching and sharing in camp about making the world a kinder, better place and, and who better to message that than Michal and Millie. And so um, I asked them if they would be willing to, you know, share their stories with us just with the intention for camp. And, um, they were so gracious and said, yes, and we're very trusting. And I, I took that, that was an enormous responsibility. Um, so I mentioned this to someone that I work with, Kelsey, um, and I said, would you, I'm working on a project. It has nothing to do with our show, but you know, I just need 
some production support and I tell her the story. And honestly, two sentences is she's like, I'm there, I'll help. And then some other people at work were like, this is, this, this needs to be told and this, if it could help kids and, you know, let's do it. So we set up one day, they, they came into the city, Ruth drove them in and um, they came to the view, our, our studio dressing room and we set up for an interview and, you know, they sat with us for three hours. And at one point, I remember we had to literally stop because everyone was crying, you know, the camera people, the, you know, art director, because you couldn't believe that these two humans had lived through what they lived through and came out of it, not with any ounce of hate, just with this idea that we need to show love and the world will respond to it. And, and not an ounce of bitterness, sadness for sure, but just their sole purpose was to spread kindness and to talk about what freedom means and things that still resonate today that, my God, I mean, if ever we needed to hear their words, it's now. So uh, we took that interview and, and you know, I edited it down for camp and um mark said that he had asked michael and millie to make a return to camp because it would had been a year since they retired and and the idea was that they would we would show this film of their stories and they would come back and surprise camp um so we you know so you were there you were helping me with camera um I've never been more nervous because just the enormity of it, you know, you're telling such their stories, which are so sacred and, um, you know, walking the balance between some of the horrors they faced without, obviously, you know, you have younger campers. We had to make sure it was told in, in a way that would, um, they could really connect to without obviously scaring them, but, um, to share a part of history that needs to be told for the greater good and to give them ultimately the inspiration to stand up and, and, and use their voice for good, which is what Michal and Millie have done their whole lives. So just, I think the weight of all of that was for Mark, for sure, for myself, for you, you know, just knowing what, what was about to happen. It was, um, you know, intense and we played the film and I went behind the cultural center, which is where we kept Michal and Millie sort of hidden. Um, and seeing them, you know, I was so happy and, and, you know, to see them and to know what was about to happen. But nothing prepares you for what, you know, for the unexpected. You don't know how people are going to perceive, A, their story, but also the surprise. Because they were so, you know, as you know, they're they're icons and so beloved and just the reaction you just really couldn't tell how it would go and uh mark as soon as the film ended mark you know welcome got on the mic and said you know welcome back home you know michael and millie and they walk in and there was this groundswell of not only emotion but like pure joy and awe and on their own, the whole front part of the um, audience, the, the softs, the girls went running 
to him and just embraced him. And you see that footage and he's kissing their heads. And that came out of such, even kids as young as eight and nine could see what a hero he and Millie are and what they stood for and what they meant to camp. And probably some of them hadn't even known Michal. Maybe it was their first summer, but they got it. And that was one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed, you know, and then people just roaring with applause and tears and even the international staff. I was so struck by even the new international staff who were so taken with their story. And even after the whole event ended, people came up, it was a lot of international staff came up to Michal to say, I'm from Poland and where you grew up was my hometown. And they were so taken with him. It, it was, there were so many moments that, that night that just will stay with me forever. Um, I, I don't even know what else to say. It was, uh, I'm, I'm just enormously grateful to them for, for doing that. That was the, their legacy to give that gift to camp, to share their stories and to make sure we know ultimately what we need to do now you know, to stand up against injustice and racism and be more tolerant and, you know, and, and, and love one another. Yeah. I think that was obviously I kind of kind of knew who was coming in and, yeah. and what was going on, but still well, in the dark. Behind with the cat, Cause you caught a lot of those shots that were really emotional. Yeah. So I think you'd asked me to, you said someone's going to come in from this angle, make sure you get the reaction shots and stuff like that. So um, I, I think I was, I was quite upset as well. So I was trying my hardest to focus on the camera and making sure the settings were right and stuff like that to try and take my mind off what we just watched and what was going on. Um, but yeah, I remember a bit that always stands out to me was filming some of the staff and seeing international staff who'd, like you say, if it was their first summer, they'd never, never met them, never been any part of the the Jewish culture or any anything like completely disconnected from their their normal lives, being so upset and and sad from a you know a ten minute video of, about two people they don't know, which is obviously such a, a testament to the, the the work you you did and and the lives they they led as well. Um, but yeah, it was horrible, but so lovely at the, at the same time. It's it was yeah, cra the crazy evening that evening, um, and then obviously from there it was um, was it after that that it went on TV as well, or was it before? So it was, yeah. yeah, since then it went on on the View, and they were guests on the View as well, weren't they? Yeah, we after the summer, you know, we had all this, obviously we had whittled down footage to the 10 minute screening that we, we did for the kids, but, you know, we felt, I talked to Mark a lot during the fall about, you know, how do we best preserve their story too? And it just felt like a sense of, you wanted to get it out even to, you know, a bigger audience because their stories were so powerful and you know, and obviously there are sadly so few survivors now. Um, and we had this incredible um, vault of, of video, really. And so I, I just thought, well, you know, 
I'm going to see if I can pitch it at the show to see if we can do something for International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which was January. And I needed time to really like edit it. And so I pitched it and uh, my, to my boss's credit, um, they said, yeah, of course, let's do something. And I talked to Whoopi because Whoopi had met Michal and Millie um, the summer she came to camp. And um, there was, Sharon took beautiful pictures um, of Michal and Millie meeting Whoopi. And there's these pictures, which you could probably see on Facebook where, I mean, you could tell again, like their, their hands are on each other's faces, holding each other. Whoopi was so taken with them. And I had told her about their, you know, stories and, um, right before she left camp, she, that's when she met them. And I remember she just hugged them both and they shared some words and she sent me a note after just saying that really got me of that, you know, it was an, an amazing day because we reunited her with her camp friends, but of everything that happened that day, it was that moment meeting Michal and Millie. And so in my mind, because she now had that connection and understood how powerful their stories were to me, it would be the ultimate um, blessing if I could just have her, you know, maybe voice over the piece because, you know, she just puts her name or her voice to something and it soars. And so she said, yes. And, and so that was, I remember I was in the um, control room and she's recording the voiceover and I, <laughs> you know, I don't like, there's not a lot that really knocks me out, but just listening to her say the names even Michal and Millie and you're like I can't believe this is really happening like oh my god um it was like your world's colliding in such an incredible beautiful way and I knew like then like this is going to be you know a forever thing that um will give it you know give their their stories that really to bring it to the forefront and and yeah we we did an uh an episode and they came to the show with their um, children, Janice and Ruth and their grandchildren. And we shared a, you know, a extended version of their story and they were in the audience and it was a standing ovation when the tape ended. It was, it was also another unbelievable moment to witness. Um, and even after the show, the hosts were so taken with them and what they had been through and just their love for humanity in spite of everything that, I think they spent like a good hour or so just talking to them long after the audience emptied out. So, you knew like other people, it wasn't just us in our camp world that were impacted by them. It was everyone else. And then you, you know, see all the comments on Facebook. It was very rewarding. Yeah, I think especially with Michael, you, he's obviously such a good public speaker. It's what he mm. all the time. So you, you can meet him for the first two minutes and already have such a, a, a warmth and a, a pull from him. Yeah. I think the the bit that got me was uh, the first time when when Millie spoke about her life because that wasn't anything I don't think many people had heard about before. Mm -hmm. Whereas Nickel is up there talking to camp a lot and he shares his stories a lot more. Millie's, I guess, is a little bit more reserved with, with her. So that was yeah not not very nice hearing everything and 
how you like you say how they are so positive and and happy. It's crazy. It, you know, and then I have a rubbish day at work, and then I'm grumpy all evening. It kind of knocks it in, into perspective that you know they're just such amazing people. Definitely. I mean, the two just the two things I wanted to say too were that you can tell how his legacy now lives on. I mean, it's so clear to see that all these generations of not just our current campers, but, you know, just the outpouring from, you know, his passing and the recollections of what he means to so many. I mean, that is very much, I think, his his spirit and his love for people and and decency and kindness like you see that living on and I think that is one of the most uh poignant things to to wit you know to watch that the kids are looking out for each other that kids are feel empowered to speak up you know whether it's bullying or you know something else so I think you know we can all know that you know may he rest in peace that his legacy will live on yeah, for sure. Um, oh, sorry. And the other thing is one thing that Michal said that I feel, you know, just as a, an adult, he said, you know, camp keeps me young. I mean, when you think about it, that is the truth. It keeps us all young. And that's a that's a wonderful thing, a feeling to have, you know, like, do you remember how Michal and Millie would walk the grounds like every morning and they'd walk to the cultural center, they'd turn away our camp Ubers, our golf carts, you know, they, they, they just, you know, their essence. I mean, they're, we're all kids at heart because of camp. Yeah. I think that's from, from the interview we did with him in 2016. Um, that was my, the line that sticks out to me. And he was saying because of camp, it, it does keep him young and uh-huh. he wouldn't have been able to walk a mile every morning at 6am holding his wife's hand if yeah. it wasn't the camp, which, yeah, I think kind of resonates with, with everyone. You, you're you at camp and suddenly your knees don't hurt anymore and you can <laughs> run around and play soccer for hours and then go play basketball and you're not, you know, the old old chubby kid you are from England anymore. You're, you're an athletic soccer yeah, player. Of course, yeah. It's um, the of youth. My my first summer back, I remember um, this was just, you know, that's the byproduct of having a 25-year gap at camp. You come back and you're like right back in it. You feel like, oh, you know, like there was a sign up for um, staff volleyball. This was like probably in the first week of camp. I was like, I was a volleyball star back then. I was on the Supergirl volleyball team. I got this. I sign <laughs> up, I go, and it's me and like, the, the 17 and 18 year old staff members no one told me that it's really meant for like the younger staff <laughs> not the geriatric staff um so i i was embraced which was lovely by the by the young ladies and we were playing another camp and um i got in my formation now someone on the other team served that ball went flying over the net and it's coming at me i'm ready i'm in position before I could even like lift the arms up to, to volley back, it just lodged in my, not only did it lodge in my chest, George, the ball, it actually like threw me backwards and I just sprawled out. Like I, 
the the heat of embarrassment. I think I just rotated out, like tried to just slip out, got my you know substitution. They put Jessica Rich in and went, let's get let's get an athlete in there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> For those who uh, don't know, Jessica Rich, she is our assistant director, an amazing assistant director. She's also a very accomplished athlete. Um, she we were in the same division and she was like a fierce competitor and an unbelievable athlete. Like she, she excelled, softball was her thing. And, and she had this pitch, she'd wind up her arm like this and maybe it went 50 miles an hour. I don't know, like a rocket launch and God helped the person who was at the pitcher's mound because it was over. You were done. You would either be impaled by the ball or you've like, you know, just in a puddle of tears. Till this day, I just, I don't want to get involved in any sports with Jessica Rich on my, opposite me. <laughs> I think Mark must remember those stories. I think that's why he's so scared of her most of the time. So. <laughs> she look, looks so innocent and sweet, but then give her a softball. Give her a softball, you're dead meat. Um, so, so we touched upon a little bit of, of obviously Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg coming to camp and, and stuff like that. I think from my my first few summers, at camp and then obviously the last four or five it's kind of really turned around with obviously the mark leading leading the way and stuff but even the breakouts and the videos and stuff like that which is obviously all all you're doing pretty much is has has been crazy um how has it been for you getting being able to get those special people to come to camp and obviously the the kids go crazy whenever they they see them all and the atmosphere is so so amazing how's that been bringing such like, cool people to camp um you know it's fun it's uh when it started like um we just kind of did like a pilot version of this like oh would this kids be into i think we my first summer i booked a kid from this teen beach movie that was sort of like the the um follow-up in a smaller scale to high school musical and you know, the kids were like so excited and like, you know, again, it's always like a little bit of a high to see, to see that. Um, and it just sort of evolved. Like I, I didn't get hired, you know, it's just my role evolved. I thought like, Oh, you know, I can take some producing skills and, and use it in a different way at camp. And that would be kind of cool. Um, so I, I would pitch, you know, people that I had relationships with in the work world to see if they'd be willing to come to camp and do an appearance and, you know, just make kids happy. Like what's better than that? It's honestly the purest form of joy. And for me, it seemed like an easy sell. When I look back at it now, I'm like, I had, you know, a lot of balls to even suggest, you know, these people are busy and doing projects and like, why would they want to, you know, spend a day and come up and you know, with mosquitoes in the, you know, in the great outdoors and there's nothing glam about it. As you know, it's like, you know, come as you are and like a totally different kind of thing. And then I was like, you know, telling them why it is so special. Like we have the best sunsets and kids are happy and free and, you know, they're so really impressionable. I mean, you know, you have the ability if you're a celebrity to, um, leave an, an, make an impact on, on a young person, even if it's just one person. And like, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You know, this is like a direct, like you're a conduit to their brains and their memories. And 
you know, you could really message something positive and, and leave an imprint. And it wasn't that hard. I mean, I think that, you know, I, they, there was trust with both of us that I wouldn't set them up for something that's a disaster. And at the same time, like we, you know, you're working on an event at camp, we have amazing staff and adult staff who you're only as good as the people around you, who I knew would support whatever vision for that program would be. And, you know, made it a really great experience for, for both the campers and also the special guests. So um, it became a really, you know, a fun thing, just like an extra, an extra added event within the framework of camp that you know, added some excitement and uh, we've had a lot of fun with some of the guests. Yeah, I think the, the Whoopi one was definitely my favourite. Someone, my, my mum's, one of my mum's favourite movies, Sister Act. So we oh. were just watching that. So like Whoopi Goldberg's someone that's been in, uh, you know, in our lives for forever kind of thing as this yeah. person, you know, you're never going to meet their celebrity. They're on in the movies, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that age of her coming to camp was obviously ridiculous and you know when you see someone in real life you go oh it's so weird um, but then hearing her stories and her her friend's stories about her going to camp and, and everything like that it was something I'd never even thought of before um, and just kind of showed especially for the for the campers just how normal she is and connectable kind of thing instead of just this person you see on your tv it's someone that's gone through the same stuff that that they're all going through and and everything like that and even just just her and her camp friends talking it was obviously a completely different camp but it was still so relatable and still the same things they were singing their their camp song and then we all sung proudly stand back to them and it's it's yeah it was just amazing that was definitely one of my favorites because, um, that took that particular booking, um, took about a year to like, from, do I really have the balls to even put that out there to her, you know, to, uh, when the moment, like, you know, she ultimately said yes. And we planned an event around her coming to camp because she had grown up in the projects in New York city and the Chelsea projects. And, had this wonderful opportunity when she was a um, an adolescent to go to a camp that was not far from ours. It was called Camp Madison Felicia. It was in um, Peekskill area, I think. And they this particular program, this camp program, they would take kids from the inner city and give them a, an opportunity to experience camp, to get out of the concrete jungle and be in the great outdoors. And so it was in the 60s, and it was a really interesting time for her. And it really also, she says, shaped who she is today because, you know, she, it was very much, you know, sort of hippies at that time, but they were about standing up to also, you know, racial injustice and equality and protesting. And it's all the things we're seeing now. So she hadn't seen her camp friends for 50 years, I found out, because we we started talking about camp during the year. And she started telling me these amazing stories about her time at camp and the feelings were the same that I felt. And so I sort of put together this idea of like, well, wouldn't it be cool if I found, if we could reunite, like, and you could, you know, share those stories with this generation. I think it really resonates today of what you guys experienced. And she was on board and um, I went through this sort of, I think it took like three months tracking down her old camp friends. Um, and 
we brought them to camp, but in putting that together, I said to Mark, I'm like, I know we have this event set up, but I don't really know. There's a good chance she's not going to either show up or this is not going to happen or she'll get called to do a movie. There was like a hundred things that were, you know, could stand in the way of that. And, um, it wasn't until like, literally I get a call from her driver. Uh, we're five minutes away. And I turned to Mark. I'm like, Oh my God, this is really happening. Cause I wasn't going to believe it until, you know, she stepped foot on, uh, you know, on our, on our property. And uh, that was like, after that, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like, how do you book a guest after Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> I peaked, <laughs> but it was a really special day. Yeah, it was, it was amazing to see it's, I've still got the picture of the phone on my phone. Cause I, um, text my mum before being like, Whoopi Goldberg's going, she's like, don't believe it unless you, you get a picture with her. Uh-huh. And um, I think you, you introduced me as well. So I had a, a little hug and a hello to her, but then the only picture I've got of her is from, like the other side of all so there's all the campers in between and then there's me and then like Whoopi Goldberg's just tiny over my shoulder <laughs> so I was like Pete quickly take a picture of me um <laughs> that's still like a funny picture I look back at and go yeah just just me hanging out with Whoopi Goldberg that's, <laughs> that's the meters apart but <laughs> I love that she um she really I mean you saw it she's the most caring loving kind person and um I, there was a quote she said that stayed with me and that was that camp is the great equalizer. And I've borrowed those words from her because I really feel that way, that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been through, that you get there and you're all the same, you know, and it's uh, the most non-judgmental, most loving, nurturing environment, you know. So, yeah, it is our little special place. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're almost there. You've got the three questions left. The same same questions I ask everyone at the end. Okay. So, um, and a, an hour and a half in, you're all, almost almost home and dry. <laughs> um, so the very first one would be if there's something that you'd take from from your life at camp into into the real world and that helped you kind of grow up and become who you are. What what would that be? These are good questions. Um, I think probably the thing that I've taken with me the most with camp is just really like never losing sight of these relationships, like how much they will matter in your life. That I just you know, I just keep, I keep going back to like camp is that special place and it's beautiful and it's, you know, we, we see the beauty in it, but it's at the end of the day, it's about the people and that, you know, and it's, it's to me that now they're family, it's goes beyond friendship. It's family. And then number two, what would be your advice for someone going into their first summer ever at camps? That could be the advice you gave to your boys going in or the advice you'd give to an international going into their first summer at camp? I would say just kind of like you said, just be open, have no preconceived notions of what, what it's supposed to be like or what you're supposed to do. Just really be open to any possibility of, you know, what, what you can accomplish. And also, you know, just the, the opportunity at hand, which is to, 
at the end of the day to give kids the chance to grow and flourish in a positive, safe environment. And just be mindful of that, that one interaction could be a game changer for a kid. Yeah, I remember one summer I had, I think I said about it when we did those, you set up those interviews before camp for all the staff mm. during orientation. Um, and yeah, there was like one camper that I didn't really get along with at the beginning and um, oh, got along with, but you know, it was a bit more quiet. So just kind of in the background a little bit more. Um, didn't think we had much in common. And then um, he ended up hurting his arm during the summer. And so then we went, went on the trip to Florida and he had his arm in a cast and obviously couldn't go on many rides. So hung out with me and Elisa and another camper in the, the no rides group. And we spent the whole week as like a little family just go, secretly going on all the rides. Like we went on Space Mountain three times and the Jurassic Park ride. There's a pit, we got a picture of him with this big waterproof thing over his car on Jurassic Park. And uh, now he's like one of my one of my best friends, whereas, you know, before potentially if he didn't hurt his arm we wouldn't have been anywhere as, as close as we were which is is very weird Amazing. um but yeah in my head I was like we don't have too much in common and then it turned out that we had loads in common and yeah just this silly. is off the subject but um when you got torchbearer and I was filming Mark said you know go towards the back he never tells me who it is but he just kind of said head towards the back of the tennis of the um courts basketball courts and obviously once I realized it was you I remembered oh my god he's filming with the drone he's not even on the courts <laughs> and I turned the corner to find you to film and I was just like literally like a, a stampede <laughs> came behind me almost knocked me out and just seeing the kids like who you've had from past summers because you've been there how many summers now Nine, nine summers, yeah. Nine summers. It was like, gener you know, all kinds of ages running to you and seeing that love. I mean, that's priceless, you know? That is just absolutely priceless. Where else are you going to get that? Yes. It was a crazy, crazy time. Never given as many hugs in my life. And oh. again, it was, yeah, amazing. Um, and then number three. Mm what what's obviously with um all your, your few different different years at camp you had when you were a camper and then staff and then coming back with with your kids um what do you think your most treasured memory of camp is hmm. i would say the mechel and millie that whole experience of just being a small part of just at least sharing their story and feeling a, a responsibility. I think we all do just to live up to the ideals and the values that they've shared. You know, that that's a something that'll be a part of all of us, I think. So I think just that whole journey. Um, and I guess now, you know, I, I just, I think about all the time, you know, my, my childhood friends from camp and, you know, my best, best friends as an adult staff member, you know, with Lainey and Sandra and 
being so close to Farah, you know, I think that um, knowing that no matter what happens, where we are in life, you know, whatever twists and turns it takes that, um, you know, no one knows me better and, and there's no one who will, you know, lift me up when I need it or share a laugh with like a belly laugh than, than those people. So, um, it's just like a, like a, it's like that tapestry of memories with all these amazing people, you know, that, so I don't, I don't really think it's, you know, one particular summer. It's just all, all the memories gelled together. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, that's it. That's, that's all I've got. So Ooh, this was like, this was a great therapy session. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll, I'll send through the invoice uh, in the next couple of days. <laughs>